Welcome to At the Point of a Knife. I'm your host, Eric Navaretti. Each episode, I'll sit down with the writers, producers, directors behind the modern era of horror and explore their inspirations, setbacks, and what it really takes to make your favorite films. Today, I'm interviewing the director group Radio Silence. Chad, Matt, and Tyler are a trio of filmmakers who have been working together for nearly 10 years now. They created a series of viral videos and content on YouTube before being approached to make the final chapter in the 2012 horror anthology VHS. Their most recent project is Southbound, which premiered earlier this year. Their blend of comedy, action, and horror make each of their projects stand out from the rest. Here's some of the trailer. Okay, here's the deal. We gotta break into this house, and all we have to do is steal this one VHS tape. Found it! You got it? Yeah. Which one is it? I don't know, man. Let's just look at these tapes, okay? So special about this tape, anyway. What was that? You're all gonna die up here. I am super excited to have Radio Silence with me here today. Uh, if you guys could introduce yourselves. Hi, uh, I'm Matt. Uh, thanks for having us in. I'm Tyler. Nice to nice to be here. And I'm Chad. This is going to be fun. We'll have we'll have a good time. I promise. I just want to start off saying, huge fan, really love the work that you guys have done, Thank and you. super, super excited to talk a little bit more about this. I would like to start Actually, with... can you go back? Can we just do that? Yeah. Like, just say that. Keep saying that to us. Like, uh, keep going. Yeah, just say it again and again. Um, <laughs> just fill the I just need to hear it every now and then. To make, just to make sure we're doing something right. <laughs> 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 I also watched, uh, just this past week, I watched VHS with the commentary track on. It, oh my god. <laughs> About ten conversations going on at once. Oh, that was that was a mess. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Speaking of expletives, wasn't Roxanne in her hometown just recently, and someone somewhere was watching Southbound, and they had legitimately designed a drinking game? Yeah, the, for, a, a the college in her town game? has a drinking game. And she said that the video store, in it's a small town, but she said that they even have trouble stocking it at the video store because kids keep taking it out to, to not to enjoy the movie, to play a drinking game. Right. What's the drinking game? Drink every time somebody says what the fuck. <laughs> or some variation thereof. There's no way you can do a shot every time you hear it because it's, it's in it at least 20 times in the first 15 to 20 minutes. Oh yeah, of it's our, the only line of dialogue in our opening it's, segment. It's yeah. like <laughs> for 10 minutes just going what the fuck right yeah. Yeah. you've really contributed something so valuable <laughs> Liter- yeah, bring the literature to this uh, just, just real briefly in case anybody isn't familiar with your work you guys did segment on VHS uh, 103198 right right also did Devil's Do mm-hmm. yep and then you also are involved with Southbound Yep. Uh, which is the segment that we were just talking about a minute <laughs> right. ago you didn't get away with quite as much on De- in Devil's Do Though we that, that was a battle, that we, we got, got a little bit. Yeah, we got a lot we of got a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's the cleanest R-rated movie probably in fucking history because mm-hmm. there's nothing that makes it R except language. And violence. Yeah, that's true. That's a little I didn't bit even more. I, I guess you could stomach yeah. there. I mean, there are only like what? There's a lot. Are there? Do you yeah. remember Zach doing the the? You know, we have to go do the whatever you call it for like the the clean the, the clean yeah, version and it was like. Every two minutes, like, okay, well, we can't just say frick again. Mm. What else? And then there's a whole list. It's like, I think it was Warner Brothers made this list forever ago that if the word is this, here are pages of options. Mm. That looks like it matches. Yeah, 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 that'll look like it matches. 
So what's the what's the best substitute? So it'll be like if someone says like what the fuck, it'll be like salmon cake, and something about right. it hits the lip. <laughs> it's literally look. It's not based on sounds like it no. looks like. It's, yeah, lip reading stuff. The Big Lebowski yeah. is the best yeah. movie. Uh, what happens name. when you, you find a stranger in the house? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I want to know starting off how how did this start because. I feel like it's not unusual for uh, a group of people to collaborate with each other to, to work um, collectively directing projects, but it is kind of surprising that you you have already had a theatrically released movie, right? And yet you continue to work as a director's collective. So I, I want to know what is it about this sort of partnership that you guys find fulfilling, and how does that? How does that make your, your projects different than everyone else's? When you don't want to do something, you, you just look to one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you really only have to do th try 30% a lot of times. It's uh, just, I mean, honestly, that, I think it's just that it's, we started working this way. It mm -hmm. works for us. It's fun. It, like, it keeps us kind of like not in a rut because if you get in a rut someone else is relying on you to not be in that rut and you're relying on them to not you know what i mean so it's like you're constantly working because you're constantly active with other people who have similar but not identical points of view so there's a lot of it's fun to bounce stuff around and disagree and kind of get to the yeah. thing that we all like you know there's also something contagious about the energy of working in a group there's so many parts of the process that it's so easy to just stall and to not move forward on something. But if you're accountable to other people who, who are involved in the same project and you're all kind of talking about the same thing and excited about the same thing, it feels like there's so much more incentive to actually finish something instead of just letting it sit and instead of overthinking it and overanalyzing it you have people that are super close and invested in the same project mm. that can say hey what if we did this and now suddenly it's exciting again for for everyone and we've just found that not only does that make the process more fun but we're actually just more productive because we are accountable to right. each other it's, and finish stuff. Yeah, the creative debate actually adds a lot to the, the overall creative integrity of the project, I think, too. Also, it helps everything stay fresh a little bit. So there's okay. not just a... Obviously, the, there is the auteur version, which is just like kind of rule with an iron fist. This is my movie, and this is the way it's going to be done. But there's also... There's fun in debate. There's fun having not everybody around you be a yes man, but having it be like, yeah. Is that really a good idea or even the occasional like that's so fucking stupid i don't mm. think we need it you know it's like 100%. you guys find you yourself have to have doing that a lot like, all the time yeah. yeah it's usually like well i like that first thing and then everything else I, uh, and then you know it's like well explain it to me make me understand what you're seeing or mm. if you can't then maybe it's not working you know and a lot of times it's really interesting because it's like the note about something will be you know, you gotta kind of get like past like, well, maybe it's this, and you kind of get to the idea that, oh, the actual solve is ten pages earlier, or if it weren't editing, you know, it's the scene before that fucked up that scene. So it's like it's just fun to kind of like figure it out, and I think a big part of it too is like none of us are like pros, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're not like fantastic at what we do. So it's always this like learning process, and it's mm -hmm. relying on each other to help learn. Like, mm -hmm. but I think we also all love. The, every part of the process and mm -hmm. while there are certain strengths within the group and at various things I think that we came together to all be involved in the same thing and as much as as much as we can all have our hands in every part of the process it just for us is it makes it more it makes it more enjoyable as you know as creators we get to we get to mix sound and write and act 
act and direct and shoot and everything is, it, we get to be involved in every stage and it's super fun. Right. I mean, and, and yeah. like at the end of the day. And even jumping off of that a little bit too, when we are fortunate enough to actually have production crew and, and people around us, like for a little bit of the Southbound, because there were department heads and things like that, but even more so for the Fox movie, for, mm -hmm. um, where there are a bunch of different people running around um, trying to make sure that we get the best thing on screen. It's great to have like people break off and do different departments. Then we like instead of like everybody and also those people up. are so much better at their jobs than we could ever even <laughs> right, exactly. sort of pretend to be. Right, like, exactly. They're, like fantastic. Obviously, they, they do it all the time. They do it, do it, and instead of them fighting for time to get like approvals for things, they're like we're able to like spread out a little bit, be accessible to each department on, on a different level, and mm -hmm. then we could come back and then focus on story and, and, and getting the creative out there. I remember having so much anxiety about Devil's Do before we were shooting it and it was just like, holy shit, there's so much we have to do. And then you'd show up no, and it like, would be done. And it, and it would be done and it would be done so much better than you'd imagined it ever mm -hmm. ever getting done and it was like holy shit this is how this is how this is supposed to feel right. this also, is how this is supposed to go funny anecdote from that on our very very first day on devil's do our upm goes all right guys that's a wrap and i remember us looking around T tyler was shooting it at the time i remember matt and i looking at each other and like so what 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 do we do now what yeah. does that mean we do and so we go over to Eric we go over to our UPM and like so so what do we need to do now? Like do we help clean up? <laughs> he, just or go go our he goes, he goes okay. you guys are done, go get a drink. We were all picking like, up wait, gear what? to like load it on the grip truck oh. and the, the gaffer was looking at us like what the fuck? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. And then oddly enough not a single frame of that day made it into the movie. Yep. <laughs> that was the most stressful day of the entire shoot though, just because we knew that one scene was just like this is so silly, we don't know we need it. You guys went from basically producing every Thing, you handling like every aspect of it to jumping onto Devil's Do, and suddenly there are people there fulfilling these yeah. these roles. Yeah. yeah, that must have been like a pretty crazy whiplash. Then, how long did it oh, take yeah. you guys to feel actually comfortable? Then, like just being the director, not having. Well, to... the cool thing is, is that I mean, because we've all there's just the nature of collaboration inherent in the group because there are you know three of us. Mm. Um, it's it felt. It felt really natural to let more people into that process, and it's why I think anthologies yeah, sure. have been such a fun process for us because we're just we're just hanging out with people who also enjoy doing what they do, and that's something that we've that we yeah, uh, that we have like shorthand. Work. Yeah, it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like work. So, and, and obviously there's like a chunk of time involved in just getting uh, the machine of a movie like that up and running that you get a little more comfortable with it as as the size grows. You you're you're sort of. Well, you're there step track, by step, so you yeah. kind of see it happen. It, it's, I think it's the most, it's like everything, where you learn on the job. You can study Antonin forever, mm -hmm. and whatever, you know right. shit, but you don't really, and then you get on the job, and you're like, oh, so this is that, and then you find out it's not at all what you studied, but it's a version of it. I, mean, I remember when we were interviewing all the department heads, being like, so wait, what is this person? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> like, like, that, you know, a then, person for this? And then really learning it, though, and really being like, oh, great, that's fantastic. Yeah. So then, you know, after about a week or so, you're like, oh, this is the person I go to to rely on for this, and this is the person I go to rely on for this, and they work together in this way. And it really fulfills that, like, big idea of how, how a big production works, as opposed to what we're used to, which is like, hey, dude, who can run to the Safeway to grab, like, snacks, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, you gotta be in this next scene that we're like, shooting literally, in right? yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't go. I can make a water run real quick. I think we need it. Yeah. There was one of the things that we, 
one of the things that we learned early on too is to be careful what we what we asked for oh, yeah. because you we're, we're like always just like hey what if we did this and when we were having those conversations around these really incredibly <laughs> capable people mm -hmm. we would have an idea like that that wasn't at all a, a, a thought out, thought out thing and then we'd show up the next day and it would have been done and it was like holy <laughs> shit we have to be a little right. more careful even, with our brainstorming right. even, like, where they happen. even to the fact that I think Justin well, who was doing the visual effects with us and Devil's Dude did this like joke on the movie with oh, the geez. with the, there's this one scene oh, in the church in Devil's Dude yeah. where where uh, Alice Miller the actress was looking at the priest mm. and uh, for temp Justin just put in laser eyes so she just shoots him down with this laser eye thing <laughs> and that ended up going out to the international sales agent went to all of South America yeah. in, in the, in no. the DCP it yeah. got printed got made got sent out I mean people like almost lost their job right. it, it was like, like it was not a, yeah, it was like a bad, it was a joke that we never saw until after everything <laughs> fell apart. Everybody got all mad and we were like, what's going on? We don't know. And they're like, well, somebody put in laser eyes. What the like, oh, laser eyes? Some assistant in the international department was QCing it and was like, Oh, I don't know if this is supposed to be like this, right? And call and like talk to talk to. Is this really what they're going for? Boss, very and their boss is like, no. But the problem is, is, apparently after they had sent it out. Yeah. Uh -huh. So somebody along the way. I mean, we know who the fault lies. <laughs> but you know, it's supposed to be QC'd and wasn't properly or something. Like, other people talking about editor been on the phone for like hours. I mean, drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's easier to manage a practical joke like that. <laughs> there are only yeah. three people right. involved in the process. That makes sense. Let's just backtrack for a second then, I guess. I, I want to know, first off, how you guys met, because I, I'm interested in the trajectory that you guys took, because going over your earlier work, it seemed more uh, comedic, uh -huh. kind of a sci-fi bent. I saw that you did a lot of of like YouTube annotations, the yeah, so interactive, stuff. yeah. So it, it's it's surprising in a sense to to watch some of that early stuff and then you know see uh, which one is it? The Mountain Devil prank fails horribly. It just seems like it covered a really wide spectrum in kind of a short time. Span, I mean, I it's funny. It's Chad and I met in an acting class that was your first day out from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Chad's first day, day out from LA. Pittsburgh yeah. and. It, I, would, I had been there for like a week and we sat in the back row together and we're kind of like, and it was cool class. I mean, we liked it. Like yeah. we made a lot of friends there, but we were kind of like, eh, this is not really for us. Let's go just do our own thing. And which is when we started making stuff. And then Tyler and I were working together at New Line is like, I was an office manager and you were an assistant. And yeah, we just kind of brushed by each other. Yeah, we weren't even like buddies. Yeah. It was more like, mm. oh, hey, what's up? And then kind of after that ended because New Line, you know, whatever, different story. but. We ran into each other and he was like, you guys shooting something? And we just were like, yeah, we'd love to this weekend. Are you free? And you were. And then yeah, and I had started shooting. Yeah, and I had kind of been working uh, as on like documentary TV shows. So it was very much like, oh, these guys are shooting stuff that's really fast and feels really natural and really, you know, really improvised. Mm -hmm. And because they, they know each other so well, like the comedy was really sort of easy and it, everything fell into place nicely. So I just brought like a technical side really to the process and that, and we made our first, the first thing we worked on together was a birthday party. Yeah, one of those interactive adventure, two genre adventure things. Mm -hmm. And then, but, but it's funny because the trajectory that you're talking about too, like tonally and story-wise, it's the first thing we ever did Always, they always had a magical element to them. I mean, the right. very first thing we did was about, like, Rob, who was the other guy we used to work with, like, flying. You know, it was like, okay, cool. We love this kind of, like, adventure mm -hmm. land stuff. And then it started, we always have, like, little horror elements and, like, sci-fi elements and, like, just genre elements of all different kinds, right? Mm -hmm. And, but one of the first things that kind of got us, like, recognition online was this thing called uh, Roommate Alien Prank Goes Bad, which right. was, like, an alien prank <laughs> thing. 
that was like worked so well for us because to us it was funny and then we flipped it. Right. It was like funny and then you go, oh shit. We're like, oh, we love this. Like it was like kind of accidental the way it worked out. And we're like, that's mm -hmm. fun. Like let's explore that more. And so we started exploring this like kind of tonal shift and how far you could lead an audience down one path mm -hmm. with like humor and like lightheartedness and then just do a 180, which is like the mountain devil prank too. Right. And then that kind of kept pushing us along. So when we got to VHS, that was actually uh, Chad Man Rob, which was the group that we were, were doing those under. Mm -hmm. That was a Chad Man Rob idea that then Rob left the group. Yeah. When yeah, VHS missed, was uh, the first thing we did without Rob. But it's, you know, if you watch it, to us, it's still funny. Mm -hmm. It's like. But we did. We pulled that like out of a list of ideas about dudes that go to a haunted house. I think it was originally that one of their buddies gets possessed, right? It was they go to an exorcism that's yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like, yeah, Rob gets. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we tweaked it. Wait, it was, so is that how that, that process worked? They, were you just approached and said, we want you to do a segment? What do you have that you could do? Or was there uh, kind of like notes you had to hit? Tell them the story about the little girl email. Yeah, that's okay. so, fantastic. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's great. Uh, you know, this identity. is, this is uh, early days of, you know, internet videos and stuff. Right? Uh -huh. It was like 2007, 2008 maybe. Long, long time ago. So we had done Mountain Devil Prank. I sent an email to Brad Get Bloody Disgusting from a fake email account <laughs> oh saying, <laughs> hey, you should check out this video. It's pretty cool. <laughs> As like a 13-year-old girl. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, I wish I could remember the name of the email. Uh, that account's got to be active still. <laughs> and then Brad wrote back and was like, I really like this. This is great. Who made it? And I, he even in like the first or second email he sent, he even said, did you make it? It's cool if you did. And of course, I was like, no, but I'll let me find out who did. Uh, and you know, that led to us getting in touch with him. And then, and we didn't tell him that until after VHS. But then VHS, he wanted to do this TV show. It was almost a year process. And then he kind of called us super randomly out of the blue and was like, Hey, so we're doing that as a movie now. Everybody else has already shot their segments. We need one more. Are you guys in? Uh -huh. We want you to shoot it like in two weeks. And we were like, wow. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. We and went from, yeah. Yeah, and then we went from concept to final delivery in five weeks on our segment of VHS. That's incredible. From like, not even script, from concept. Like, here's our idea. Yeah. To script, to shooting, to uh -huh. post, and then all the VFX. To but it was great. Videos. It was like, we didn't have time to, to worry about think about it. Or worry about it. It was like, what do we have? Yeah. What do we have available? And and how can we make yeah. something that's Also, we thought we were striking the jackpot at the time. They're like, they want to give us like 30,000 bucks to make this. Like, so <laughs> let's make it for maybe 14 and pocket the rest. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it was so really, like, this is great. Paid job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that maybe that, that answer is was going to be one of my follow-up questions uh, because you guys keep, you're often in the stuff that you produce. So considering you had, what, five weeks to to concept and then deliver, I guess you could be a little more demanding on each other as actors, right? 100%. Than, yeah. That's a huge people. part of it. We can, we can be more like, we'll sit there and like Chad and I do it a lot where it's just like, now that do that suck, you gotta be more low. Okay, cool, do it again. It's not like we have to sit there and what like, the fuck are you doing? Figure it out, like, like, figure out the plan yeah, way to say to do it. This. Yeah. Yeah. And on South Bend, I mean, I remember I, we, we had, I don't know, 53 of the 107 scenes in the movie or something like that yeah, in our, our two portion. segments. And the first day of shooting, we, we managed to shoot like 70 setups. And it was all because it's like, cool, yeah, I know. You, you, did that feel good for you? Did that feel good for you? Yeah. Great. Like, we're going to move around and do it. You know, it was, mm -hmm. there's this sort of shorthand. And it's going to really just crazy. cut the number of like laborious, creative conversations out of the process and because following. we've all been involved in the <laughs> yeah. idea from the from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's easy to know if it's working working or not. Were, were you on screen in South Bend, Tyler? No. no. Okay. He's on screen in Devil's Do. 
He's he's one of the he's creatures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Maybe you guys can go through and say who you are in uh, your VHS segment. Maybe that'll I'm help the, the listener. pirate. Yeah, <laughs> Matt is the pirate. <laughs> yeah, and Ty- I'm the nanny cam, Tyler. And I'm the Unabomber. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and our buddy Paul is, who was going to be Rob, but Paul is uh, the, the, Marine. the apparently, and we didn't find this out until later, but apparently the clothes he wears in it did not come out until 2001. Right. And that is Ooh. set in 19. Did you get some? Uh, We've got some internet some hate. <laughs> Actually, there's a the camouflage uh, dedicated <laughs> no. entirely to the cut. Who plays the roommate character where uh, you're like, hey, we're going to go out and do some Eric, fun Eric stuff? Curtis. That's our good buddy, Eric Curtis. He's okay. in a lot of our stuff. He was okay. in a lot of our stuff. He's a goon. He's a goon in the treasure hunt. He's, he's, he's great in that because every. Every time I watch that segment, I'm like, I'm a dumb friends. Yeah. God, I would move. I'm so glad that with you because it's so funny. Because those are those little moments that, especially in found footage, where we're like, we love that. Like his, when he's like, your dumb friends are here. That's like one of our favorite parts of the whole right. fucking thing. Because we're like, it's just such a dick move. Right. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's funny because you never know if that's gonna land because it's not like a setup or a joke or a payoff. Right. It's just kind of like a shitty thing somebody does. But it's funny, such like, a clear idea of like who that you, you know that guy that you've met that right away. Yeah. We've met that guy. Yeah. yeah. So your found footage stuff, you're talking about moments right now. How much of this is would you say is scripted versus unscripted? Because a lot of the moments that I do like, it, it's yeah, it's like the shitty the shitty roommate. It feels very much like yes, somebody's rolling a camera and they caught something genuine. It's a little bit of that? both. I mean, we script everything and then we are one hundred percent down to not use any of it. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like we script it, so there's a version of it that we know will at least work story-wise, and, and then we get there. Right, I was just taking it back a step even further because like when we find a location or we know the location at, mm-hmm. that's when we walk through and actually fill out the script. So we know the room. Yeah, it'll be like a room, right. right? and then it becomes that room. So we'll know like the geography of the place, and then we script it, and then we do maybe one take, and we're like, nah, this is... Yeah, just, I mean, it just the, it. <laughs> the lines that are written are the first thing that, all, that get cut out of everything that we... Yeah. That mm-hmm. we do. Even in the even in because the we're not good actors, we can't deliver a Much better making shit up than just running around. <laughs> yeah. But you have to have a you obviously have to have some kind of structure there sure. so you know how to you actually have something to produce. You have to know and the you point know how to how to make it, but but uh, yeah, it's, which helps coming from comedy. Like and I mean mm-hmm. it's like we never even consider ourselves doing comedy, which is funny. It's, I, we have like a weird inner genre thing that we've kind of ended up doing where it's like we don't think it's like hardcore horror and we don't think it's fucking comedy mm-hmm. but it's this in-between thing you know and I mean it come but it comes from doing a lot of the comedy stuff where you're like you just have to be fucking natural mm-hmm. like so yeah. natural is more important than a line because none of our stuff to date has been incredibly like well if they don't catch that crazy plot twist you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like I think it was one of the biggest challenges with Devil's Do was getting the studio on board because obviously that process, the script is something that gets signed off on mm. by I don't know how many fucking people sure. at, you know at the at the studio, and they have a really clear idea that oh they're going to shoot this number of pages this day and this is what's going to be said and this is what's right. going to happen in the story oh. and we and we fought a lot during the making <laughs> because we would do we would do we would do a take of the script and then we would go and we do the the version that's more improvised and more mm. fun which think I mean Allison Miller and Zach Guilford were like fantastic and totally down right. to do that and completely completely nailed what I, like what the experiment of how we make shit is mm-hmm. and it was I remember getting like we got calls from the studio uh, the yeah. first few days of shooting and they were just like what 
What, what's that, what's happening? I remember Eric Hayes, our UPM, we kept going like, guys, you guys got to do at least one take that's on the script. Well, <laughs> you got to do at least one. Our script supervisor, Sam Sullivan, had a, his, you know, the, he started with just a copy of the script, and by the end of the movie, he had like a binder like that a was four and a half inch binder. Just all the improv that he'd written, and everything was tracked into the scene. I remember by the end of the shoot, he literally, I remember going up to him and saying like, hey, do you remember which take was the one where whatever happened? He goes, oh man. Like I, are you serious? <laughs> like yeah, okay. I guess. I guess with like the studio system, right? You they want to know like how many pages did you shoot today? And yeah, it's, an, it's incredibly work. structured. Uh -huh. You know, like down to the dollar that's spent, and and us fitting into that model was there was definitely some growing pains on mm -hmm. both on both ends. I mean, I think one of the things we're most proud of with that movie is that they let us make. We thought we think of that movie as mm -hmm. I know a lot of the popular you know kind of conception of that movie is the idea that it's like, oh, it's another fucking pound footage ripoff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, our version of it was, we just talked the studio into letting us make a movie with the shitty cameras we normally make stuff with, uh -huh. putting it through filters to make it look crappy, getting almost entirely in improv performances. Mm -hmm. Like, it was like, wow, they're really like, we're getting some leeway here. Like, this is like, and I think it's because it was a huge budget to us. To them, it was nothing. Sure. So there was a lot more like trust, I think. Yeah, which was nice. Right. Did they ever end up getting uh, more on board, more comfortable? With oh, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. Almost we after the first week alone, like a physical production, the head of physical production came out before the very first day and was gone like by noon the next day and mm -hmm. didn't come back. Very supportive. Like, right. yeah. And then the creative side was like super supportive, like a little worried because he couldn't get the dailies from the Dominican Republic because that's where we started shooting mm -hmm. um, on time. But once he got a couple of them, then he got he was on board for the rest of it. I mean, the mm -hmm. first day of shooting was, and again, this is one of those things where like everyone's freaking out and we have no idea why. And it was because we, we were in the Dominican and like the, the Wi-Fi was slow or we couldn't get it where we were shooting right. blah blah. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't get the dailies up and it was like this whole big fucking thing. And we were like, well, we'll just show it to you tomorrow. Who cares? Like, <laughs> and it's there. Like, you don't understand. We can't they trust us, they, right? Yeah, they are yeah. not cool with you just showing them tomorrow. And we were like, why not? Like, <laughs> yeah, but I would say one of the things that we're most proud of about that movie is the working relationship we ultimately ended up having with the studio. There were a lot of a lot of stories about how oppressive a process. Oh that yeah, is. they were great. We had a blast working working with. And them. they really, I think they gave us pretty much everything we asked for in terms of like mm -hmm. not. Well, one of the things we always hate about found footage stuff that we don't like is when it doesn't match what would be real. Like when right. it looks too good or it's like the lighting's too great or something. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, working with a studio where like a number one rule is like it's got to look like a movie. Mm. And then we go in and we're like, we want this to not look like a movie. And then, like from that point on, they started going with us. I've noticed with the the whole found footage genre, people that just say it's dead or that it was never alive to begin with or that it's too hokey or whatever. But I, I feel like found footage is. It's like any other format, right? It's like writing a sonnet. You could write a shitty sonnet. It, it doesn't dictate um, the, the future. But it doesn't mean all sonnets are bad. It's just that it's it's a it's a way of telling a story. It's it's a way to like restrict because you, sometimes having boundaries makes you take a take a and you have so much solutions, you know. So I think what unfortunately happened was there were there was a series of successful found footage movies right. and there was this idea, this perception that it's cheaper and easier to tell a story that way. Mm -hmm. So everyone started smashing these ideas, these existing ideas into a format that wasn't native to the idea. And obviously with found footage, 
it, it has to be grown out of that perspective. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like, what, why the fuck do you, would you make it that way, right? right? It's it, like the, the way that the way that it's shot and how you see it is part of what the story needs to be. Mm -hmm. So there was this just this like this this huge number of, of found footage movies that were coming out that just weren't the right fit for the the style. So I think it soured a lot of people. People like lost right. faith in that that style of storytelling. And I mean, it's it's incredibly. It's not cheaper number one, and it's and it's much harder because the tools. That That's the biggest gripe we have. Both people yeah. people accuse people who make found footage movies of being oh it's just lazy. Yeah. And, it's this, and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, cool, go make Goodfellas with like no close-ups, no score, mm -hmm. no like shot reverse shot, no wide shots, no mm -hmm. like nothing. Just go go tell that story. It's impossible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's so it's like. You have to, that's why, like, it's what Tyler's saying, like, you have to, the story has to be designed to fit the medium. Like, you can't, you can't, I mean, Goodfellas might not have been the best example. Right. <laughs> Let me go to the best movie of all time. Right. <laughs> uh, but, like, you can't, you can't tell a wide, huge story mm -hmm. in such an intimate format, you know? I mean, and Cloverfield did it great, because they told this huge, humongous story, but they told it, but it still felt intimate, mm -hmm. because they stuck to the fucking rules, you know, which was great. You've mentioned in some other interviews that I've, I've read or listened to that one of the pitfalls people who think found footage is easy is that they just think, okay, well, there's just a guy holding a camera the whole time, right? Right. But what's the motivation for that? Why is that person taping oh. this whole oh, sequence? Camera think, motivation is the yeah. biggest, biggest oh conversation. Gosh, it's been so nice not having that <laughs> conversation. And it's, Always. <laughs> which what ends up happening is you end up talking more about the camera than you do about the characters. Mm -hmm. So you end up having this weird technical experiment that feels like it's kind of successful technically, but it is missing all of Oof, the, we, like all of the camera in the yeah. scene. Yeah. <laughs> like all of the heart and emotion that actually is why we go yeah. to, to see which, something. Which is big, and that's why when we approach VHS, we're like, well, we want to know there's a camera there, but then just completely forget about it. And that and was everything else. Brilliant yeah. stroke. Yeah. Nanny, 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 nanny cam, cam, right? If you can make the characters forget about it, then yeah. you can make the audience forget about it. We also talked about making them a tripod and just giving them a big dick too with the camera <laughs> yeah. on top of it. But we're like, let's, go, let's go with the nanny cam. I mean, we're trying to be, we're trying to be true to the time, and we're like, oh, cool, we'll do, Tyler will have Big dick will be a tripod. It'll be a bad joke, like a you know a frat joke. And then Chad and I were gonna be uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Yeah. It was like ninety eight, like, yeah. <laughs> like embracing all the things of nineteen ninety eight. That's actually one of the things that I liked about uh, Devil's Do, is that it's yes, it's a found footage film, but I, I appreciated the fact that you didn't have to sort of like handhold us as an audience and say this is something that somebody compiled together. You know, it's just, it's taken from the perspectives of the different cameras that are there, right? Totally. And I don't see why that's, I don't see why that has to be a problem because in a traditional movie, like why, like why is the camera anywhere? Right. Why, who, who's orchestrating right. this uh, sweet score on camera? Right. And I mean, the funny thing about that is that that was something that we, we might have like I still don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how you get too about much it. confidence like, in we, people's yeah. Well, like in the in the the idea that like you can go that different with found mm -hmm. footage at that point because and we weren't inventing shit. Like Chronicle did it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like Chronicle was like, hey, this was all found. They just were like, hey, here's right. a story. It exists in the world mm -hmm. of the cameras in the world. Period. And then they just went with it. But for some like, reason, like the magic of that movie allowed allowed, allowed people. Whereas to when you're in that horror, it wasn't found footage. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, because like again, you know, to go back to like one of the things that we talk about a lot with that is that it's the found footage is wrong that we did the found footage wrong we didn't stick to the rules and we were like well tell us why mm -hmm. 
you think the footage is found because we never say that in the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we don't start with a card or anything that says we just start and it's in the camera and then it goes. Mm -hmm. So there's no there's no found there's no footage that was ever found. I think Romero he did it like in a Diary of the Dead. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was like oh four. Yeah. But it's all it's all from perspectives of you know like CCTV cameras, right? And Which is cool. All that and he never says like somebody found all these different sources and put it together. You just kind of go along with it. Right. It's just interesting to me, like, why when Devil's Due came out, why weren't people ready for it at that point? That's something I think that it's been... because we were in the middle of the paranormal activity, you know. And we are coming out yeah, just yeah. after Conjuring 2, and I think that's, again, we said the process was fantastic. Conjuring 1. The first one. Um, also. The process with the studio was fantastic from... Like development to pre-production to production to post-production, and then when we got to marketing, that you're was you're gonna have to delete this entire thing out. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? But that's when we hit our hiccups because oh, he just left. He just got he just got booted out. So Again? Well, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> whatever. You can beat that out or not. I don't care. He doesn't know who the fuck I am. But they wanted to market movie, the movie in a different way because mm -hmm. Conjuring was just so successful that summer, and they're like, well, you know, no, this worked for that. We're gonna make it this movie about sure. like you know the Vatican knowing about this stuff. Like, what the fuck is the Vatican? There's yeah, Vatican's no Vatican. not even around it. Like. Mm -hmm. Well, the best, the best story I remember from that was that one of the early trailers, and it's obviously part of the process, they tried a million different trailers, mm -hmm. but one of the first trailers they showed us said it had this, like, based on a true story thing, because people love based on a true story, right? And we were, like, sitting there, I mean, we were flabbergasted. We were, like, sitting there, like, but, but it's not based on a true story. Like, why would you do this to this thing that we just spent, like, eight months on, blah, blah, And then Justin, who we used to work with, I just remember he's, like, sitting in the back, and he's a quiet guy, he never really says anything, and then he just kind of goes, I mean... If it's based on a true story, then why is it found footage? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, they, they, to their credit, they were like, ah, oh, fuck, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was also, I think, I mean, it, Chronicle was really the only yeah. movie, found footage movie at the time that that wasn't really a genre, like a, like a horror thing. Mm. So I think there were also, people came to, were coming to those movies with a really clear set of expectations about what it should be. Well, it's a testament to how powerful be. paranormal activity right. was. Yeah. I mean, that sets so, such a template, you know? Right. Like, and I think that there were, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to move that forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think people just weren't, it, 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 it was still, everyone was still really, really stuck and really into, you know, the yeah, idea that thing. it is this, this documented reality that is found after, you know, after the fact. We were too artsy. Yeah. <laughs> too cocky. Let's talk about Southbound for a minute then, because that one is not found footage. It is not. Still an anthology though, so. What the fuck? <laughs> I was wondering what those other directors were doing. <laughs> were, you, were you deliberately trying not to do another found footage movie? VHS was a lot of fun. Everybody, we all became good friends on it. Like, yeah. it was like, just a great experience. And then after that, kind of everybody went and did their own thing. And like, Dave Bruckner, who did the first segment of VHS, like he kind of had like three or four projects kind of stall. You know, we had Devil's Due, and then we had a bunch of stuff that was like, fuck, man, kind of like, when we're doing it on your own, low budget, you just do it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait for 50 fucking people. You know what to say yes yeah. before you can go make it. And so then, and Miska had been kind of like on us for, I'd say like what, like a year? A year. Like, yeah. like guys, let's do another thing, let's do another thing, let's do another thing. Like, you know, this time you guys do what Simon and Adam did for VHS. Like, just like, we'll work together on it, we'll kind of get it, and we'll get the whole package together, it'll be fun. And we're like, okay, cool, you know, great. And kind of just, and then, I remember, he finally was just like, are we doing this or not? Mm -hmm. And so we had a nice call with him, and we're like, yeah, let's just do it, like, fuck it. And it was because we were kind of in a middle, between things, waiting for stuff, and we're like, I want to go make something, you know? Mm -hmm. So, 
literally it was like, all right, let's just do it. We went and spent a day working on the concept, sent it to him, maybe had one or two back and forth to the point that we got it into like, here's the big idea. Yeah, here's like the wrap around, the kind of wrap around idea that and it was everything's more, gonna fall under, the sort of overarching. Right, and it was even more, it wasn't even like the specifics of story and whatnot. It was like, we, we don't wanna do found footage. We don't want to have a, you know, like a wraparound that you keep going back to or whatever, you know, like a mm-hmm. that thing. Right. We don't want to have like a Crypt Keeper or Rod Sterling. And it was really wanted, we wanted to make it feel like one movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Instead of a, you know, a collection of, of shorts, which right. obviously has its own strengths and is, and is a, a fun. We just wanted to try something we wanted, it to, we wanted to, yeah, try yeah. To, We wanted to try to reinvent it to the degree that we, you know, that we mm-hmm. could. And then, I mean, so, but a big part of our pitch was like, so here's kind of our outline, and then we gave them the basic idea of like, we want these guys on the run, and we want you to kind of think they're good guys trying to get away from something, and then we want to flip that in the end, mm-hmm. and you find out they're actually pretty shitty dudes. Mm-hmm. And, that was, and that was, that was, that's outbound. That was like the pitch, but the big thing that we added was we want to get the group together and then build it as a team, as mm-hmm. opposed to what happened on VHS, which was great in its own right, mm-hmm. but it was like, we had such a good time getting to know those people after the fact. We were like, well, why not go work with them in in the in pre-production, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it kind of like, like a writer's room, like get everyone together yeah. to like put their brains to work on the same larger idea to come up with the best, coolest way to tell yeah. that in, yeah. you know, five chunks. So then we just got everybody together and it was like, it was a writer's room. It was so fun. It was a really fun process. Yeah, that, that's one of those movies where I, I watched it and I was trying to figure out because I mean, just your wraparound. It kind of ends at the beginning, in a sense, because they're they're on that loop. And I was trying to imagine how the hell did you guys write this thing? Because it feels like each piece fit so well and led so well into the next thing that it's like, where where did it start? It felt like this this perfect circle that you guys had Thank created. Um, I mean, so, we, that was that yeah. was definitely part of it. Like we wanted it to feel like that way. I remember the term that was like I kept throwing around at the time and we all talked about was like the Mobius strip effect. Mm. Like, yeah. just like you don't know where it starts and where it ends because like the overall, th- yeah. since we're doing spoilers, it's like we wanted that endless loop of purgatory of everybody just reliving their worst day. We actually, there was an idea at one point to, to cut the movie so that you could walk in at any point of it mm. and not be lost because it would just like fold yeah. in on itself. Mm. <laughs> you know, that you would start the film at any time and we mm. wanted to understand right where you could yeah. just or just one that we basically like a you know a two ninety minute gif where you just kind of how you figure out how you can connect these <laughs> right. and just uh-huh. yeah. you know press play and, and stop you, it and, and then you listen to it while you're like while, while you're listening to R Kelly's greatest hits and then all these oh. other magic things <laughs> start happening that's our wizard of the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, R. Kelly's right. greatest hits, volume two. When ignition comes on, people just go fucking through the roof. It's yeah. amazing. If you start, I believe it can fly. Yeah. <laughs> right when he says for the first time. What the fuck? Yeah. I am actually saying perfectly. <laughs> no, but I, in terms of the writing process, I mean, we sat down with the kind of grand idea, which obviously was also continued to be continued to be massaged and figured out, mm. you know, with within the group, and everyone came in with a sense of what they wanted to do, like two or three ideas, and everyone sort of pitched things and we all responded and you know about what we liked and what we didn't and and then things kind of naturally fell into a structure based on the, the sort of tone that everyone wanted to explore. But it wasn't until a little further into the process that we started talking about the the, the baton pass between 
between mm. segments and that was like a big aha moment I remember for the group we were like whoa that's fucking cool if everything mm. sort of overlapped so that there really isn't a start or a stop with any of it that well, it's not it five is this kind of she didn't want continuous five first like, yeah continuous yeah, machine yeah. That just so they also up. there's also really no third acts like mm. the you know I mean it's really they're all second acts for the mm. most part the only one that kind of strays from that is ours because it's two and we kept talking about our segment where we're basically giving you the third act the only third act in the movie is mm -hmm. basically the, the first, first thing you see, minutes. Yeah. which is why it's really jarring, you know, which was our whole goal with that was like, let's set permissions for the world. Mm -hmm. Let's like make people know a minute and a half in that things are weird and you're not going to kind of get what you expect. You know, like, yeah, let's put the monster during the credits. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just kind of go with it. So we were like, how do we, how do we write just for our segments? How do we write? the third act to be first and then the first and second act to be the literally the last two things you see in the movie but to still give it that trajectory so it feels like you're watching a movie that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then gives you some answers yeah it was a challenge yeah, I remember the no, the first note we got was like, "Have you guys seen the movie Jaws? Like, you don't see the monster until way later. You, we, you guys, we see the you literally see the monster in the first like two and a half minutes of the movie." I think that was the only note we got too, because the the, the one I remember is like, "I don't get it, but go ahead and make it." And that was from the financial years. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't know what the hell you guys are doing, but I guess well, we're already fucked. So go ahead, make it. This has, this has promise, so go make it. Yeah. <laughs> it was one person at the office. Right. Yeah. One, one person. One person here thinks there's promise. So you guys, have fun. <laughs> A lot of the work that you've done, right, is it's about being unconventional about something, which is, I think, why when I first time I saw 1031, I was so drawn into it. I liked the idea that. It's a group of guys who are kind of like trying to do the right thing. They're trying to rescue right. the girl, and then that fucks them over. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's such a such a relief. Something different, right? And I feel like you keep coming back to that. You're you're trying to do the unexpected uh, when everyone else has you know genre expectations of what a horror film should be or what a found footage film should be. Right. So what's the next mold that you're trying to break or box you're trying to get out of? But this is not a lie, but we are working on a kid's show right now. It's the only project we really can talk about about what we're doing next. But like, yeah, um, getting back to the roots of everything. So, it, like, I guess we're gonna try to try to no more what the these, fucks. Well, no, they're gonna be like trying to mind fuck twelve year olds now into thinking that something's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a Disney show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's funny because it's like, I mean, when we're writing it, we're literally, and you know, we were just, we just like last week really kind of like did like the big kind of macro Bible of like what the whole show is. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it's just as mind fucky as the stuff that we've always done. And it's just as like convention twisting, you know, by design. It's like, I mean, it's something we always kind of focus on. Cause like one of the big things we always throw at each other is like, I mean, that's cool. But like, I've seen that. So mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it doesn't work where it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting you bring it up. Cause like for us. Like the end segment of Southbound was like, let's take something that is so conventional that you've seen a million times, a home invasion movie, mm -hmm. and then play the first half, regardless of the link to the opening segment, but play the first half of the home invasion in a very conventional way, where it's like people so again, almost overly familiar. Yeah, yeah, where it's like you almost feel like I've seen this for sure. And then be like, oh, cool. And then let's link this to the morality of the opening tale and then have fucking monsters come out. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like, how can we take <laughs> something the world familiar? Open up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the world literally <laughs> open up and eat them. We're like, how can we take the familiar and then go do an entire, like, 180? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, so with the kids show, 
It's funny because I think the only thing we're gonna lose is the what the fucks, right? Yeah, that's yeah. about it. I mean, honestly, but it, like the, the some, shit that we were raised on, that we <laughs> love, that we yeah. reference all the time, like Amazing Stories and Twilight Zone, those are things that as kids you can totally watch, full full genre, full mind fuck, and still enjoy on like a really on a really inter like for just their entertainment value, but also the the morality tale of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's it's scaling back the gore and the language, and you yeah. just have you, you have the same awesome elements which for us is honestly like that's how we try to approach everything is tell a really cool interesting story first and then add all of that genre stuff mm -hmm. on top of it and kind of tailor it you know tailor it accordingly I mean, but we like normal people getting in fucked up right. situations that's yeah. like i mean you know really like a through line but it's in everything right. yeah. but, but, but a good source to all that is we all have vastly different opinions on the stuff we like mm -hmm. so when we start mashing ideas together we're like oh well, how about a little bit from twilight zone and a little bit from Moulin Rouge, maybe not the best example, but I do love that. Man, we're really nailing it. <laughs> <But like, laughs> you know, and then something, then maybe something else too. So it's like. Oh, I'm so what, curious what that something else is going to be. Oh, no, like, give me one. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Yeah. Fuck, dude, that's a crazy question to ask. <laughs> you have no right to know the answer to that. Fargo? Maybe? Yeah, and then Fargo. So, like, take those different influences and then, like, throw them in a pot and see what we come up with and, mm -hmm. and, and really trying to, like, just turn expectation around a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we love making shit about characters you like. Like that, right. for us, it just, anything you do to those people, whatever hell you put them through matters so much more if you feel like you you relate to them and mm -hmm. you are on board for, you know, on, on board with them. Which also, which also goes back to why we like to make people laugh a little bit first before things get all fucked up. It's mm -hmm. just like, all right, cool, if you could like laugh with this character or just, like get into that world a little bit, then the the terror that comes is going to be hit a little bit harder. That that was something that I appreciated from Devils too was that you guys spent so much time just with the couple and yeah. trying to get us yeah. to like them. Um, because I, I think like in a lot of I guess more mainstream horror, you know, the character is just like a cardboard cutout, right. and you know they're just there so they can get their head cut off, right. like at the twenty five yeah. minute mark or whatever. They, they're just there for the the kill, right? And not that that isn't fun sometimes, but I don't want every movie to be like that. Totally. So I mean, that's you know. it's its own thing, and it has it's great and it has a place. And then mm -hmm. this is a different thing, and every you know what I mean. But it's like it's funny you bring that up because for us, when we were talking, when we were getting the job for Devil's Due, mm -hmm. our pitch was like it's not a horror movie; it's a thriller. Like this should feel like a thriller. It shouldn't. Like, it should be, I mean, ideally it would have been advertised like a thriller because that's the movie we fucking made. But it's like... We, we also it, said the horror the version of The based Notebook. Based on a true story. Yeah, we did. We, we said the horror version. We want to make the horror version of The Notebook. Yeah, I cannot believe that. it. Like, oh, yeah, go, go make that, guys. That's a yeah, great pitch. <laughs> but we really wanted it to be like, it's what you're talking about, where it's like, you know, like a good thriller. It's like you'll spend, like, a lot of time with the characters and then something's a little weird, but you're still just with the characters. Mm -hmm. And then it gets weirder. And then, you know, it's like not even until the midpoint that shit gets kind of bug nuts. I mean, you mentioned you're doing a Disney show, so obviously that's a totally different <laughs> animal. But are you are you looking to do more horror in the future? Is, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, I would say like the Disney thing, while it is different, it's also kind of not. It's not for us. We're returning to. We're actually kind of returning to the action adventure, mm -hmm. and and all of that stuff had some <clears throat> some kind of genre element to it you know every one of our inter i mean jesus the murder which i did not make but you guys witness oh yeah you guys witness a murder and then go uh, chase chase down the killer like that's a really dark idea yeah, I mean, it never feels like cool. it's so like so earnest and, and crazy that it's always 
uh, of of the, that that the comedic tone. Right. Full circle, the most close example I think is birthday party for the show that we're doing right now because like you go. So he's one, talking about a, one of our two right Yeah, the, the right. interactive adventure one because you go from like a horror element to you go from a gang element to a horror element to a. Um, action adventure, an action, yeah, like a, like a shoot 'em up element and, and stuff like that. And I think a lot, of, like what we want to do with this show is like to be able to go through those different genres, like mm. all the different genres that that we like, and and send these kids on these crazy adventures. But but in the end, it's kind of like Chad Matt, and Rob, except with twelve year olds instead of like failing thirty <laughs> somethings. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> but like that's that's the heart of the show and and their friendship and how they have to overcome their own personal differences to work together as a team to get which is something we've always kind of done you know it's like, always these people hate each other but they love each other right they <laughs> hate a, each other internally but if anybody else would mess with them then it's like they'll, they'll gang up or against them type of thing um, is that something that you guys were developing that you pitched or is yeah. this something that you were okay. no, it's our, our stock thing and we're also working we have we have two movies that are both we're in the, like the financing stage so it's like too early to really say like yay we're super excited about this I mean we are but like but they're very much aligned with like yeah they, they are, both are they're both they're both genre movies. I mean, they're they're both horror movies, but they both have a very unique tone that mm -hmm. we've never. Both of them are unique to each other and have something that we've never really seen, which is why we love both of them. We're like, oh, this is great. It's what you think it's this kind of movie, but it's actually not at all. You know, which is something we always love that you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Is that um, is it another anthology? Or are you guys doing your own story? Our own. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I really, I mean, especially after seeing uh, your first segment in VHS, I was like, I want to see a feature length from these guys. And then, I mean, Devils Do, I saw that. But like, maybe I wanted we'll give one, them one more right. chance. We want that as well, that we get to just <laughs> yeah. do our own version uh, wholeheartedly, you know? And I mean, honestly, even though Southbound was an anthology, I think us and you know Dave and Pat and Roxanne and everybody involved in it also feels like that was like our movie, not our not Radio Sound, our collective our collective whole yeah. movie. Yeah, because we built it so much together. It just happens to be like ten cooks in the kitchen, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean we sat in the edit together, we mixed together. I mean it was like it was like everyone made a feature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just we all shot their part of one. Should, yeah, you know, and I mean honestly, like the producers on that, like Chris. Harding and you know Brad Miskin and stuff. It's like they were just as involved too. As I mean, it was like a very very collective thing. Mm -hmm. So different too than VHS. I mean, we didn't see VHS in its entirety until Sunday. No, right. so we didn't. We, we didn't. The Dolby, uh, the we didn't meet the other filmmakers until Sunday. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. VHS. And really, really awkward doing interviews with a bunch of people you don't know who are way more successful at this than you, yeah. who you respect fans yeah, you like yeah. their shit, and then you have to go sit in these interviews who, when you, the day after you met them and be like, mm -hmm. yeah, let's talk about the movie we made together. <laughs> you know what that noise means. Oh, shit. It's time for the lightning round. No wrong answers except for except for Tyler's. <laughs> Tyler, favorite Starship captain. Starship captain. Yeah. The only one that's coming to mind is Kirk. <laughs> Edward James almost man. I would have accepted oh, that. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Would have accepted that. Uh, what's the scariest thing that you've ever done, Chad? Um. Take your time, man. Yeah, I'm gonna take my time. I'm gonna lightning around. <laughs> that question. Well, I'm like, obviously, I'm frozen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> What would you be most concerned about being real, uh, ghosts or aliens? Most concerned about shit, maybe aliens. But if ghosts are real, that's cool. I feel like with yeah. ghosts, it's just like, hey, that's cool. I'm going to move now. Right, right. right. 
Uh, Tyler, what's the biggest misconception about working on a horror set that people have? I would say that it's that it's scary working on a horror set. I, it's very rarely is it scary. We're like I, we typically know if something's scary if it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Like, if if it's if it's hilarious, it's working. So. You know when it's scary when we do dumb shit. Right. Yes. Which we put ourselves in physical danger. danger. Yeah. Safety second. Yeah. <laughs> Bad motto. What's the dumbest thing you've done on set? Oh shit. We went into a neighborhood where in the Dominican that literally the people, our local crew were like, you can't go there. Like you just can't go. It's just mm. the neighborhood you go, we don't go there. I'm not going there. Mm. And we were like, well, but we got to get this. And we get there. Our sound guy bailed. He was like, fuck you guys. We're just walking around with a camera. <laughs> and yeah. And, and then literally somebody drove by, opened the door to a van and shouted at us that it was dangerous. You guys shouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, yeah. It we was the shit that. of them getting lost that mm. we went to horrible parts of the town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. I want to hear real quick everyone's favorite movie, and then I want to know your guilty pleasure movie. I'll do mine if you want, good. just to break the ice. I've already tipped mine. Knight's Tale. Ooh, that's you a good one. You could put a Knight's Tale one. on right now, and I would yeah, sit down and watch that shit. Yeah. I'm into that. I love the movie Ever After. True Grammar movie. That's one that's that good. if it's on, I fucking watch it. Is that your favorite or your favorite guilty pleasure? Both. <laughs> guilty pleasure. I don't know my favorite movie. I'm a guy like, like Fargo. I'm like a huge Coen Brothers fan. I think Fargo is one yeah. of the best movies ever. That's a good one. I'm definitely in Goodfellas or Lebowski for favorites, but Guilty Pleasure is Moulin Rouge. I just love it. I, don't know I have the soundtrack. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, I could just sing it too all day. I love it. It's not <laughs> so I'm not going to do it right now. I mean, mine, I think it's like a tie. Uh, Goodfellas, I mean, Chad and I reference Goodfellas, I'd say daily. Mm -hmm. Goodfellas, Wild Bunch, and Zodiac. I mean, those are the movies that, like, I'm just like, oh, these are perfect, perfect movies. Like, mm -hmm. you can't fuck with these. Like, Guilty Pleasure, one that pops to mind, Notebook? Me and my wife watch it, like, kind of a lot. It's, like, her favorite movie. We watched it last week. It's a great movie. <laughs> Like, truly great movie. Yeah. <laughs> I take it back. It's, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's just it's a just fucking a great, great movie. movie. <laughs> it's just a pleasure. Where can we find more information about you? HighRadioSilence.com. Yeah, but we're High Radio Silence at everything. Right. H-I high, not H-I-G-H high. That's, That's probably a good distinction yeah, to make at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming in. Awesome, dude. That was fun. Yeah, thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. Good times. That was Chad, Matt, and Tyler, better known as the director group Radio Silence. If you want to hear more from them, I recommend checking out their podcast, The Crawl with Radio Silence, which launched this Halloween. Next episode, I'll be sitting down with the writer-director, Jackson Stewart. His debut film, Beyond the Gates, is premiering next month. It's a fun 80s-inspired horror film that pays tribute to those old VHS board games featuring a cursed tape that opens a gate to hell. At the Point of a Knife was created and hosted by me, Eric Navaretti, and produced by Renee Amador. Logo and title designed by Jonathan B. Perez. For more of his work, check out jonathanbperez.com. At the Point of a Knife is an Automaton Creative production. For more of our work, check out our new site, automatoncreative.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and help more people find the show by leaving a review.